Welcome to the St. Thomas the Doubter podcast. My name is Mark, and I am the pastor of the Congregation of St. Thomas the Doubter, an independent ecumenical congregation for all people that embraces holy doubt, the importance of grace, and the power of solidarity in community. You can find out more about our congregation online at stthomascongregation.org. This podcast offers the scripture lessons and sermons from our Sunday evening services. In the future, it may also be a place for conversation and discussion on various issues of religion and faith. This is episode 19 and is from the service for November 12, 2023. The scripture lesson is Matthew chapter 25 verses 1 to 13, and the sermon is entitled Ready for Anything. We hope you enjoy the episode. Our scripture lesson for tonight comes from the 25th chapter of the Gospel according to St. Matthew, beginning at the first verse. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, Look, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready with him went into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I don't know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So when I was practicing law back in the before times, I was asked to take a case in my home state of New York. I was living in the District of Columbia at the time and was asked to take a case in the state of New York representing a woman who had been a victim of involuntary servitude what we would otherwise call trafficking and slavery. She was an international uh, worker. She was a domestic, and she had been hired by a family here in the U.S. to be a domestic worker, and then promptly her passport was uh, hidden. She was not allowed out of the house. She was not allowed to talk to anyone. A playbook familiar for many of the people who have been in similar circumstances. And I was asked, because I had a license in the state of New York, if I would help this Maryland area organization pursue her case. I was eager to help because it was a good cause and because this would be a chance for me to be able to use my law degree in this way. The problem was I had never before litigated a case in the state of New York. I had been a part of some cases in the district, and in the District of Columbia, things are done in a particular way. The attorneys go into the court, they meet with the judge, the judge asks them what the case is about, 
The judge gets a sense of how complex this case might be and then sets a schedule for how the discovery, that is the production of documents and the subpoenas and the depositions and all of that will go. And then the lawyer simply followed that schedule. In New York, however, the attorneys go into a big room and they grab a form that's sitting on a side table and the two of them together work out all of those details. Well, I didn't know this. I didn't know this at all. And I sat in this room waiting to be called by the judge to go talk about my case, which never happened because that's not how it works. But about half an hour after I got there, I saw a man come in who clearly had to be the defendant's attorney. And I saw him dragging along with him two people who were clearly meant to be witnesses of some kind. And it was at that moment that I realized this other guy might not know what he's doing either. Because I knew enough to know that this was in a, to have witnesses at this stage was premature. So after a few minutes more of looking around the room and seeing what everyone else was doing, I finally sat down with the opposing counsel. I wrote out the entire agreement myself and I slid it across the table and said, as cocky as I could manage, look good to you. Whereupon the other attorney, not wanting to look like he didn't know what he was doing either, agreed that it looked good. It turned out I got some really favorable terms in that agreement because I wrote the whole thing and he never bothered to even read it because he didn't want to show that he didn't understand what was happening. And it was there that I learned that preparation is extremely important, even if it's just five minutes more preparation than the guy you're going against. Preparation mattered because I ultimately wound up winning that case in large measure due to the fact that I had gotten my clients some very, very favorable terms in that process, largely out of the ignorance of my opposing counsel. And so when we think about preparation, we think about what does it take to be ready for the moment when it comes, whatever it is we seek to prepare Four. And here we have this parable, this parable that Jesus tells to talk about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And he tells it by talking about two groups of bridesmaids who are ready for the wedding to begin, except half of them have really prepared, and the other half have not. Now, there's a lot about this parable that begs further inquiry. Like, where on earth do these folks think they're going to get oil at midnight? Apparently, it works. Apparently, they're able to go and get oil at midnight and come back. But why would they not have been, or why would anyone expect people to be prepared with surplus oil? because the bridegroom was so late that people's lamps had burned out without it. It's a strange parable, and there are many strange parables like this that Jesus uses to teach about the kingdom of God. And the point is not how would this work in the real world, but what is it saying to us about how we prepare for God's kingdom? What does it mean that those who were able to go in right away because they had oil for their lamps 
and were able to trim the wicks and participate in the celebration right away. How do we understand what that means for us? See, I think it has to do with the way that we live our lives in general. That is, there are a lot of Christians who view their Christian faith as a kind of fire insurance, right? That it is a way to avoid hellfire and damnation, that it is a way to get into the good place when they die. But that's all that it is, right? It is, that's all that it is for so many. And the way you do that is you sign on the dotted line, you confess your faith, you say you got saved, and then you're done. You don't have to do anything more. Just wait. But that doesn't seem to be the kind of faith that Jesus is ever talking about. Because Jesus' faith, especially the kind that we find recorded in Matthew's gospel, the teachings that we find in that gospel are all about this unity of faith and action, that it's not simply what you believe, it's not simply having the right creed, it's not simply saying, oh, Lord, Lord, but it's about doing the things that Jesus has said to do, and what are all those things, taking care of the widow and the orphan and the stranger, right? Taking care of the marginalized, the poor, the suffering. These are the things. This, I believe, is the oil that fills that lamp. It is not enough simply to show up at the end and say, well, here I am. You know, I'm, I, I got invited to the wedding. It's like, yeah, but where's the oil? What preparation have you done? See, and I think this is an important piece because the way we tend to think about the whole of Christianity is that it's transactional, right? I do this and then I get that, but that's not what it's about. The you get that part has already been taken care of. The eternal life, the salvation, the life everlasting, that part has been taken care of. The rest of it is how we prepare for that life. Because if we believe in a kingdom of God that is that is a kingdom of justice, then we fill the lamps, our lamps, with the oil of justice in the here and now. If we believe that the kingdom of God is a banquet of love, then we fill our lamps with the oil of love in the here and now. If we believe that the kingdom of God is a banquet of peace, then we fill our lamps with the oil of peace in the here and now. We can't just say, God's going to take care of it, and all we have to do is ride this out, and then we're through. Those are the ones that Jesus says, I don't know you. Your lamps are empty. They're not full of the oil of discipleship. See, it's not simply about being like an apocalyptic observer, right? Waiting for the kingdom at every moment. And like, it could be any moment, it could be any moment, it could, but that's not the point. The point is living your life as if you were already in that kingdom. 
being prepared in such a way that you are living out that kingdom in the here and now. It's kind of what method actors do, right? If for those of you who know the actor Daniel Day-Lewis, he is kind of the one of the archetypes of this kind of acting in which if he plays a character who's a frontiersman and a hunter, he goes and he lives in the woods for month, you know a couple of months and tracks all his own game. There are other actors who think that's a bit much, but that's the kind of acting, if you will, that we're called to do. Because as Laurence Olivier said, when he was critiquing, I think it was with um, it was with Richard Dreyfus that they were, he was having an argument, they were having a discussion about this method of acting for the movie Marathon Man. And when Richard Dreyfus was talking about it, he was trying to figure out how to get into this role and how to experience this character. Laurence Olivier said to him, you, you might try acting, right? That is, you do not have to become this person in order to portray that person on the screen. But that's the opposite of what it means for us as Christians. It is instructive that Jesus, his main critique of his rivals is to call them hypocrites, a word which in Greek means play actors. That is, they are acting like they're Christians, but they're not actually living it. That preparation that we are called to do is to actually live this stuff not just simply to mouth the words and read the script and then say, yeah, I'm prepared. We're called to be method actors for the kingdom, to actually go out into the woods, if, if you want to use that metaphor, and live that life, to become the role, not simply to pretend to be that person for the sake of others, which is what actors do. Right? There are far too many Christians out there doing that. Christians who talk about how this is a Christian country, and then they turn around and mouth and you know hurl hatred at people. That's not in any definition of Christian I've ever known. That's certainly not in any definition of Christianity that Jesus talked about. It's not enough to put on a show of Christian faith, to be the public Christian. It's not enough to simply declare oneself and to put on oneself the robe and all the trappings if you haven't actually, if your lamp is just a prop, if it doesn't actually have any oil in it ready for that banquet. That's the difference between belief and discipleship. It's also the difference between being a member of a church community and a disciple. Jesus doesn't care about church membership. Jesus doesn't care about creed and things like that. Jesus is asking for disciples, people who will learn from his example, people who will follow, people who will live out that kingdom ethic now, not just imagine that it will come in some future eschatological victory, but that they can participate in that kingdom now. That's what preparation is. It's living into the reality we hope and have faith we will someday be a part of. 
It is living into that with our whole being, not just with our words, not just with our mind, but with all of it. So that when people ask us what the kingdom of God is like, others can point to us and say, it's like that. So we go into the world to fill our lamps with that oil, that oil of justice, that oil of peace, that oil of love and grace, so that when our master comes and says the time is now, we'll be ready. We'll have been prepared. Thank you for listening to this episode of the St. Thomas the Doubter podcast. For more information about the podcast and our congregation, visit www.stthomascongregation.org. Thanks again, and we hope you'll join us again soon.